This time we'll have our scripture reading from Psalms 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Amen. Happy New Year to each and every one of you. And though Christmas week was perfect, the sense of having snow and all the good things you want on Christmas Day, <laughs> and also weird having such cold weather and maybe being stuck at home and not getting out like you want to, I hope in some way you were able to spend time with your families and you enjoyed Christmas uh, for what it was meant to be. It was just a, a really strange thing. My hope this morning in the text of scripture that was read is to set the tone for us in the year 2023. And it all revolves around praise and thanksgiving. To be thankful to God for what he's done in our lives. And I would like to say no matter what activities we get into this year, if we bicker and fight in our board meetings, if we have sincere discussions in, in what we want to do, don't want to do. Um, let it be done with praise and thanksgiving in our hearts for what Christ has done in our lives. No matter what we put our hands to do in ministry this coming year, I hope this sermon this morning sets the tone throughout the year. Through the sermons that are going to be preached, special services, and ultimately through the mission and vision that's given in the Constitution. Jesus is alive. And Jesus first and all else follows. And the more I read the Constitution and study it, the more I'm so thankful and impressed with Pastor Brody and all the hard work he's put into establishing a vision and mission for the church and moving the church in a godly direction. And I believe this song really fulfills the mission, vision, and values of the West Alexandria Church's brethren. And Pastor Brody, again, thank you for laying such a solid foundation and vision and ministry as found in our church's constitution. Psalm 100 completes a grouping of psalms starting at Psalm 95. The call to praise the Lord was local and particular during these psalms to his people. He remembers when God had brought them out of uh, Egypt and brought them out of their wilderness wanderings and was taking them to the promised land. He also calls remembrance of people of Moses and Aaron and their sister and all the singing and worship that they've done to God. So the praise was local to the people and particular to the children of Israel. But Psalm 100 is a universal call to all lands, all people, and all nations. No matter their language, no matter their customs, no matter their religion, no matter their nationality, all have been formed by the same God. All are part of one family, entitled to the same privileges and same access to his throne. But why? Why such a universal call to praise the Lord? Why not just leave it with the children of Israel? Why did he go out to all nations, all people, all nationalities, all religions are to worship God? First of all, he says that he is God. 
He's supremely great. God is supremely good. God is self-existent. God is perfect and ever blessed. Other gods, he says, are merely idols, non-entities, he says, and vanity. People built these little statues and says, go ahead, talk to this idol and see if the idol will deliver you. Go ahead, see if his hands can touch you and fill your heart. He says these idols just sit here, they're nameless, they have no soul, they have no life, and it is vain to worship such things. But this God, he is good, benevolent, extending his mercy and faithfulness to all those who receive his promise. His mercy is everlasting, forgiving the offender, relieving the suffering, faithful to the end, enduring to all generations, and the truth of this God, it never fails. This God, he made us, he called us into being, not just by creation when he made Adam and Eve, but by calling all people to himself. We had nothing to do with him calling us. And as such, he is our shepherd. He rules, guides, protects, and provides for his people. And his people are to trust, follow, and obey him. God did not make Adam and Eve, but he created all men. Remember, they all came together and said, we're going to worship this one God and we're going to reach to heaven. And God said, you can't do that. So he scattered them all over the place in different languages and different nationalities. But he still said, I am your God. I am your king. I made all men to come to me and worship me, the only true God. And as such, he has a right to rule over us, to lead us, to guide us and direct us, because he made us. And he made us to worship him. You and I are to trust, follow, and obey him, no matter what. But how do we do these things? How do we worship him? How do we trust, follow, and obey this God that the psalmist is talking about? And he says two things, by praise and thanksgiving. He says, first of all, do it with joy. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Like a welcome given to a king who enters his capital, who takes possession of a throne. Just to put it my way, my own limited mind, maybe make some of you mad, that's okay, but here's my story on the king. The king rightfully lost his throne, exiled for over 20 years to another land. Nobody wanted him back, and everybody was mad at him. But after 20 years of exile, the king came back to his throne. When he got near the capital, the stadium was filled. People were singing with joy, and they were very loud, and he had players all around at the bottom to escort him to his throne. His kingdom was Indiana. His throne was Assembly Hall. His name was Bobby Knight. Bobby Knight comes into Assembly Hall. All the people are jumping up and shouting, Welcome back, Bobby. We love you, Bobby. You are the king. You own the state of Indiana. You're the greatest basketball coach ever made. And we love you, Bobby. And you had the championships to prove it up there on the wall. If you're an Indiana fan, you did get giddy. You were glad because wholeness, restoration, and healing was restored to the state of Indiana in how basketball is to be played and the rules of game, how they are to be followed because he established them. But then we got really happy when we finally got an Indiana kid to coach our team and Mr. Woodson. Now the king no longer coaches, but you know what? He's there at every practice, sitting in 
the chair with the coach right beside him. And he's telling the coach, this is what's going on good, this is what's going on bad, make the change. And then the animation is happy, and people are beginning to buy the product again. We're going to buy your hats, we're going to fill assembly hall, we're going to do all those things that we've done before when the king left his throne because the king came back, and we are here to honor him. Now, in all seriousness, how foolish is it to put such hope in one man? And yet, we don't sing for joy to God. We don't go crazy about Him like that. We don't go tell everybody about the great thing God has done in our life, how He's changed us, how He's saved us, and how He wants to minister to us, and the things that happen. When I go to work on uh, Monday, they usually say, Hey, I'll have church go yesterday. Anybody get saved? Anybody get baptized? Usually the question is, if you see your hoodies get walked by Kansas by 70 points. Uh, I'm not talking about that. Did you watch any of the football games? It's never revolved around the glory of God. Not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying our focus is never on that. He says, when you come up to his house, make a joyful noise and worship him and be glad because he is God and he deserves to be worshipped. Psalm 66, make a joyful noise unto God all ye lands. Sing forth the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. He says, do it with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Psalm 98, verses 5 and 6. Sing unto the Lord with the harp. With the harp and the voice of a song. With trumpets and sound of cornet. Make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. Serve him with gladness with your whole heart and all your mind. Everything you got, do it with joy and do it with gladness. Honor him and serve him. So we are to do this. But where do we do this? Where primarily do we come with joy to worship? And where do we come with gladness to honor the king? He says it in verse 4. In his sanctuary. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. The psalmist called the whole earth to give praise to God because he remembered his promise to redeem his holy people from their disobedience. No other God, no other king, no other nation would be able to stop what God was going to do with his people. He is Jehovah, the self-existent one. But why? Why did the psalmist call the whole nation to come to this one place, to come back to the temple and worship this God? Why did he not just say, go worship your own God and your own temples and your own idols? Why did he say, come and worship this God that we serve? Because they were redeemed. God had heard their prayer. God had never asked for them to build him a tabernacle. He never asked them to build him a temple. God says, I cannot be formed or framed within a local uh, structure. 
The kings would say, our gods put you here. Our gods made you our slave. So our gods are the big, mean, good, nasty gods who can do whatever they want. And what was the psalmist to say? He's in captivity. But then the God of heaven came down and he said, I've heard the cry of my people there, king. You think your God is all that? Watch what I'm about to do for my people. And somehow it gets laid on the king's heart to turn the people free. And the psalmist goes home and he says, it is here that I find and I meet with God. And when I walk into this temple, I realize that you're a covenant keeping God, that you do love me, that you do care for me. And therefore, I want to worship you and I want to tell everybody what great things you have done for me. It goes from his goodness to his people to now his goodness into the whole earth to tell everybody that there is one and only true God. And although you and I this morning, we are his temple. See, Christ abides in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And we study his word and we grow in him and we live in him and we learn to follow him as we read that word and as his spirit moves in us and touches us. We are his temple as individuals. He reigns and he rules in our lives and that makes us his temple. But this church building, this sanctuary in symbol serves the same purpose as this tabernacle of the Old Testament. We're just not individually his temple, but this church, we as the body of Christ are his temple. And we serve the same purpose as the psalmist talked about in the Old Testament when he says, come, everybody see this great God and know that he's good and know that he's loving and know that he cares and know that he's a covenant keeping God. The doors of this church, that door that door, the elevator, whatever door you come into to worship the Lord, this serves as his gateway into his presence. We come through the door to enter into the presence of God. We enter his presence with thanksgiving. What are we thankful for when we come to church? We're thankful that we've been forgiven. We're thankful that we've been saved. We're thankful that he changed our lives. They're thankful that he brought us up out of that pit, that he watched over us, that he protected us. We are so thankful for what he's done in our lives. So we enter his presence with thanksgiving, that we have been forgiven, and that he keeps his covenant up to a thousand generations. That he not only saves us and changes us, but somehow that love he pours it in our hearts and in our minds through the power of the Holy Spirit, it filters out to our families. That's how churches grow, man. I'm sure most of us may have some children who kind of went off the beaten path, so to speak, have we not? And then they ask, why do you go to church, Dad? There's a thousand ways you can serve God. Or I'm too far gone, Dad. I can't ever come back to him. Or Daddy don't make no sense to tithe. Tithe hasn't helped you your whole life. Why is it going to help me? Why are you telling me I need to give, Dad? What good has church done for you, Dad? Well, you got to do a simple answer. Christ changed my life. And if you really want to know, son, I'll tell you why I'm saved. Let me take 
take you down the road of what brought me to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me take you down the road of what caused me to meet your mom. It wasn't me. It was the goodness and grace of God. And even at my worst point in life, I crawled to that Sunday school class because I was grateful at what he'd done for me. It's not the things. It's him in your life, changing your life, and changing your soul. And that's the story you tell. It starts in our families. Christ has been good to me. Christ has saved my soul. He has changed my life. And when I go to that church house, I will enter those gates with thanksgiving in my heart. And I will rejoice in what he's done for me. And you can come or not come. I can't make you come, but the call is out there to come and meet and know and experience this great God. So we enter through those doors with thanksgiving in our heart. This sanctuary, this building that we're in this morning, serves as this court of the Old Testament. We went through all that when I spoke about Habakkuk rebuilding the temple and all those things, but the sanctuary where we're at this morning serves as this court. Here in this building, we offer praise. We offer sacrifice. We offer service. We offer gratitude for his loving kindness in our lives and his goodness to us as his people. No matter if you teach Sunday school, lead a Sunday school class, involved in Sunday school class, when we come, we come as a body of Christ and we say to those that are not in church that this God has made a difference in us. And we will come here and we will worship him and we will honor him and we will give him the praise to his name and we'll do it right here in the sanctuary. Church, through the week, you do the work of the ministry. Visitation, praying, reading the Bible, taking care of the building, preparing for whatever classes you're preparing for, choir practice, Taking care of the money, doing the offerings, receiving the offerings. We do the work. You do the work every day in the church. You do what needed to be done. But every Sunday, one day a week, only one day a week, we set aside to offer him praise and thanksgiving for all he's done for us. We don't do it. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Friday night, Saturday night. We do it one day a week. All the other times we're doing the work because he loves us and we want to do something for him. But one day, why don't we turn that focus from everything we're doing to say we come here to honor you. We come here to worship you. We come here to sacrifice on you because you've been so good to us. This is a day that we set aside to offer him praise and thanksgiving for everything he's done in our lives. And this morning I'm very thankful for this service today. Because what better way to enter the new year than with praise and thanksgiving in our hearts for salvation, for giving us his Holy Spirit, for giving us brothers and sisters in Christ and for blessing us with this building 
to worship and honor him that was dedicated and sanctified for the glory of God. I can think of no better way than coming to the communion table this morning. For it is here in communion that we remember his covenant with his people. I'm going to send you a Savior, Christmas. This Savior is going to lead you, guide you, direct you. going to save your soul. He's going to die for you. Easter. He's going to rise again. Easter Sunday. And then he's going to go off and he's going to pray the Father. And he's going to send you another comfort. Pentecost. The Feast of Pentecost. He has fulfilled everything he said he was going to do. And it's manifested right here this morning in the body and the blood that was shed for you and me. I can think of no better way to start in the new year than with praise and thanksgiving in our hearts for him touching us, saving us, changing us, making us, and molding us. And then to start the year off with fellowship with him and to thank him for what he done on that cross. God is a covenant-keeping God. He loves us and he cares for us. He fulfilled his covenant to his people and sacrificing his only son on our behalf. This morning is not a day of remembrance or mourning. This day is a day to rejoice because in communion he remembers you. Let's pray this morning. Father, I want to thank you for this January for us having service on Sunday morning. That we can kick off the new year by giving you praise and glory and honor for what you've done. To remember that you are a covenant keeping God. But also to start the new year off, Lord, by receiving communion. It is communion that we find hope and salvation and healing. Because in communion, you show us how much you truly love us. So let our hearts be glad this morning. Let our hearts be satisfied this morning. Let our hearts lift up your name this morning. Because your son died and rose again for us. This is an exciting day for us this morning, Lord. And we worship you and we thank you for all that you've done in our lives, Lord. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.